from Bayside Church International Victor Harbour. This is Chad Mansbridge. And what a great way to help me launch into what I want to speak on today as we end our little mini-series from the last three weeks uh, on the subject of listening to the voice of God. Good morning. Good morning. And g'day to visitors, guys from Adelaide, down the long weekend. You never know what's going to happen on the long weekend. Guys away, but people visiting, it's great to have you. And uh, I'll do my best to... A preacher should never say that. Be brief. No, you just, you just do what you need to do. All right, let's do it. I'm going to open with two verses from the Old Testament, just to set a bit of a tone this morning. And um, I've really loved, those of you who are visiting, with uh, one of the things I did, I set myself a challenge and our church a challenge at the start of the year to read through the Bible in a year and to do so in a chronological fashion, meaning reading the Bible not necessarily as it's displayed to us, but as the events unfold. And uh, I've really enjoyed doing that. I've never actually personally uh, done a read the Bible in a year thing, so I'm kind of new at this as well. And I've really made my commitment very public because as part of my commitment to read through the Bible of the year, I'm doing a weekly tutorial on YouTube every week, so you know I have to be accountable to that. Uh, and uh, so I'm loving the Old Testament. I want to all I'm doing today is reading some Old Testament, is reading Old Testament scriptures. So uh, we'll do that and uh, I'll open with some scriptures and get into that. Isaiah 58, uh, reading verse 11 and 12. This is actually, the reason I'm reading these scriptures is because these are, these are some life verses for me. I don't know whether you're allowed to have a life verse, but... Okay, you're allowed to have a life verse. I've got one, all right? And it's, it actually, this was something that was spoken over me uh, at my baby dedication when I was... A baby, so, you know, 30-something years ago. We can't all say that, can we, Craig? 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. The Lord will guide you always. And as he guides you, here's some of the results. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins. Your people will raise up age-old foundations. And you will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. I love those promises. Job 33 Another Old Testament book, we read this right at the start of our chronological reading because it is, tells the story, or the setting at least of the story, is in the um, age of Abraham or, or before. Okay? So even though Job's in the middle of the Bible, uh, chronologically it kind of fits towards the start. So the book of Job is uh, basically the story of a group of friends giving Job some advice, and most of their advice is rubbish. Okay, Job's not one of those books where if you want to hear God, you open up and let your finger fall because it's highly probable you're going to be getting some bad advice. But this chapter is when his good friend Elihu begins to speak and Elihu's advice is very helpful. And he says, again, just two verses here to set a tone. Job, Job 33, verse 13, Elihu's speaking and says, Why do you complain to God that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak, now one way, and then now another way, although no one necessarily perceives it. 
Don't say that God doesn't speak. He does speak. It's just that now he may speak a certain way and the next time he might speak another way and even if you don't perceive it, it doesn't mean he's not communicating. God does speak and he speaks in different ways. Two weeks ago, Malcolm shared with us about the importance of listening to God and as we listen to lean in to what he is saying, as we lean in then to let loose with what he's spoken to us. Rob mentioned uh, last week that there's no point in us asking God to speak to us in listening to him if we don't at first set our hearts to say, I'm going to do whatever you say. Do as you are told. If you're going to listen to him, then do as you're told. And hopefully he gives you two opportunities uh, to, to do that well. But do as you're told. Today, I want to essentially uh, kick, out where, kick off where Rob left off last week, talking about the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18 and 19. My title for the message today is Listening Lessons from Elijah. Again, Old Testament, Listening Lessons from the story of Elijah. And my main point is simply this. Number one, we need to be attentive and aware of the different ways in which God can speak to us. That's the main thing. Attentive and aware of the different ways that God speaks. And as I've shared many times before, there's two main reasons for that. One is because of the biblical principle of having things confirmed in the presence of two or three witnesses. Whenever we make big decisions in life, we don't just run off on uh, one thing only. It is wise to have two or three confirmations. It's called the principle of two or three witnesses. So understanding that God speaks differently helps us to have those two or three witnesses as we're getting God's guidance on serious issues. The other one, the reason that we need to understand how God speaks differently is because sometimes you might be like Job and saying, God, you're not speaking. But you need to hear, no, 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 he is speaking. Maybe you're just not perceiving what he's saying because you aren't aware that while yesterday he spoke to you that way, today he may be talking in a different way. You need to understand the different ways that God speaks so that you can lean into him and actually hear him and not falsely accuse him of being deaf, mute and dumb. That's a good point, isn't it? But before we do that, I want to talk about Sydney. Last week, I went to Sydney for a couple of days, went over to my friend Finney and Izzy's church. A couple of guys here came with us. They had a conference for two days called Spectrum, and they had a couple of guest speakers, one of whom I've never heard before. His name is Dan McCullum, and I think just in a week he's become my new favourite preacher. He really had an impact on me, and I was profoundly impressed I'm not impressed all that easily, right? But I was profoundly impressed um, by Dan. And there's a couple of things that he mentioned that really stood out to me. The first thing, as he's talking about hearing God, is he says that there are some times that when God seems distant, possibly you feel like you're pressing in, you want to hear God, and he seems like he's distant from you. He says sometimes it is because God has taken a step back. Now, when I hear stuff like that and it instantly resonates as, oh, I'm not sure about that, I lean in to listen. Okay, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. He said, okay. Sometimes God is actually taking a step back because he's inviting you to step forward 
so that you can take ground that you've never been in before. So there is a parable that says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search it out. God actually can get glory by having a wonderful, mysterious truth, but concealing it because it is the glory of kings to press forward and go looking for that treasure. God doesn't hide things from us, but at times he hides things for us because we learn in the journey of discovery and investigation and pressing in. So sometimes God may seem distant and it's not that he's left you, it's just that he's taken a step back because he wants you to come and claim more ground as you walk into a new space you may never have been in before as you press in to hear his voice. The other thing he said, which is quite profound, is he said that the ability to hear God's voice is the first step in reclaiming human dignity. Social justice and issues around humans reclaiming their dignity, and he said the ability or the knowledge that you can hear God's voice for yourself is essential in that. And again, it's one of those stop and think moments. But he spoke about Adam. He said, you know, if Adam is the picture of what being fully human looks like, if Adam in the garden, walking with God, hearing his voice, fellowshipping him, if that is the picture of what it means to be fully human, then a restoration to that fully human state the restoration to the dignity that Adam had when he walked naked before God as a man who could interact with God, if that is the picture of full human dignity, then part of the restoration of coming back to human dignity is to have people know you can walk with God for yourself. You can walk with him unclothed, as it were, for yourself. You can hear his voice. You can walk with him in the call of the day. And so... A restoration to dignity in humans ultimately is knowing that they can walk with God for themselves. And it's one of the great gifts that Jesus has made available for us at the cross. One of the biggest gifts you can give to others is your own sense of personal security and dignity. Because it's largely insecure people that end up hurting others to make up for some void in themselves. Yeah? It's insecure people that end up manipulating others to make up for some insecurity in themselves. So my, one of the best gifts I can give to people is my own sense of personal security and dignity. And therefore, one of the biggest gifts I can give to others is my commitment to hear God's voice and to heed God's voice for myself. One of the biggest gifts I can give to others is hear God for myself and heed that voice as he speaks. And it's one of the reasons I chose these scriptures to open with when it comes to hearing God's voice. You know, there's heaps of verses that the Bible speaks about God's voice, right? It's easy to go to John 10 and say, my sheep know my voice and he leads them and guides them into green pastures and all that. I could use Romans 8 that talks about those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Okay, I could look at Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be one. He leads me beside still pastures and restores my soul. But I didn't choose any of those verses to open with because almost all of those verses are purely individualistic. Almost all of those verses just say, when I hear God, this is how it benefits me. 
And they're true and they're right and they're good and they're worth memorizing. They're all great. It is good for you to hear God for you. But the reason I like Isaiah 58 is because he says, when I am guided by God, my, I am strengthened, I am satisfied in a sun-scorched land, but I also become a spring whose waters never fail to meet the needs of others. I also become one who is known as a restorer of others, a repairer of others. I'm also strong enough to help other people. So I love that. I love that aspect of, no, 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 it's important for me to hear God and to walk in accordance to his voice for the sake of other people. And as, yes, that makes sense. So I love David's Psalm, Psalm 23. And David actually was the one who learned this lesson. If we're going to learn anything at the moment, reading through the Bible with David and Saul, it's the importance of being someone that listens to God's voice. We see with David, when he was listening to God and when he was obeying God, it went well for him and it went well for those who were around him. But when he was not listening to God, this week in our readings, we've got the whole Bathsheba story and all the other stuff that comes after that. Okay? When he was not hearing God, when he was not heeding God, it did not go well for him and it did not go well for those around him. One of the best things I can do for you is hear God for myself. And that should be true for you for, and for those in your life. One of the best things you can give is your own sense of dignity and security. And one of the best ways to come to that is to hear God and to heed his voice for yourself. It's a friend of mine. Yeah, okay. Done. That's all I need to say about that. And those of you who have been around a while, I'll mention this quick and then we'll get to Elijah. Those of you who have been around know that the way I see things, the way God speaks to us, I feel like there are three major means or mechanisms by which God is committed to speaking to us. There are three major ways that God guides us, as it were, in life. They're simply these. The scriptures, the saints, and the spirituals. God guides us by three major means, the scriptures, the saints, and the spirituals the scriptures is obvious well, i hope they're all obvious but the scriptures is obvious your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path or other way around light unto my feet lamp unto my path i love that picture it's like your word is like a the street light that shows me the path for hundreds of meters in front of me i know that's where the path is headed it's a light to my path but your word is also a lamp for my feet like a torch that can show me the very next step I am to take. Your word gives me a big picture view of my life, my ultimate destiny, and while not every detail is clear yet, your word gives me some illumination of that, but your scriptures can also come and show me the very next, word, uh, the very next step I need to take. You, your scriptures give me wisdom for everything I need for life and godliness. All scripture is God-breathed. The scripture is sufficient. The, uh, the, the scripture says, <laughs> the scripture is sufficient for all matters of life, and for godliness. And so Paul writes to Timothy and he says, The scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. The most important thing you need to know, how to inherit eternal life and how to know God, the scriptures reveal that to, to us. God is committed to leading you by the Bible. And so here in this church at least, we take the scriptures very seriously. And I can only hope that you do for your own life. I can only encourage you to. Please take God's word seriously. And obviously, my job is to partly help you with that. The second major way that God leads us, leads us is via the saints. God puts other people in our life whom his wisdom comes through. 
And so with Timothy, Paul writes to him and says, yeah, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to salvation, to, to show you the path of salvation. But he also writes to Timothy and he says, put into practice what you've learned because you know those from whom you learned it. Put into practice not only what you've learned in the Scripture, but what you've learned from the saints that have spoken into your life. Okay, so we have both of these. This is why one of the things I mentioned right at the start, whenever we make a major decision in life, it is good to have two or three witnesses, confirmations. When I chose uh, Jay to, to... chose her to marry me. I'm not sure whether that comes out right. When, I, when Jay and I were together, I'm like, you know... God, is this the right woman for me to marry? And I, I said, what's the wisdom of the scriptures say? I mean, her name's not in there, okay? I'm not going to find it that specific. My name's in the Bible. You know that, don't you, Luke? Your name's in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar, you see? Nebuchadnezzar is Nebuchadnezzar. It's all that. Your, Rob's, your name's in the Bible? Rob? Malachi 3, will a man rob God? Yeah, that's, so, that's, so that's there. So sometimes the scriptures do have that. You know, if you're asking, Lord, is this a woman for me to marry? I might not have an exact scripture that says, Chad, marry Jay. But I've got this general path that says, is this the kind of person I can live with for the rest of my life? Does the, does the word of God have any wisdom into a partner? And yes, I found that. So she ticked that box. Because that's what life's about, isn't it? It's just ticking boxes. Okay. But even then, when Jay and I were calling, before I proposed, I called up my pastor and one of my pastors, and I said, I want to have a, a coffee with you. I've got a question. I sat down and said, do you think this is right? I'm about to make a major decision. Well, I'm looking possibly at making a major decision. How does this vibe with you? Do you think that we are actually supposed to, that we are right together? And I do this with many. I mean, and sometimes it annoys people on the leadership team like how much perspective I do get from other people. But I do ask people for advice because God has put people in our life. Don't neglect the voice, their voice. And please understand, there's a difference when approaching someone for advice of saying to them, I'm considering this, what do you think? As opposed to, I'm doing this, I just want to let you know. You know they're two very different things. My first ever pastoral experience 16 years ago, that, um, uh, our first Sunday as a church, you remember, is, is uh, Father's Day, but our first meeting was Wednesday night at a prayer meeting in late August. And that day, one of the guys in our church, we had maybe four or five families in that initial group that started, and one of the guys in the church said, I want to come and see you, I want to meet you before prayer meeting tonight. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm a pastor now, this is what I do. Come on over, I'll meet you anywhere. Uh, whatever, this is what I do now. Great, what's on your heart? And he says, I just want to let you know. I'm not in love with my wife and I'm leaving her. Welcome to pastoral ministry, okay? So, and this is my first ever. So I'm like, and that's what I needed to ask. I, was, I mean, I was only 23, but I was smart enough still to know, hang on, are you telling me that's your decision? And that's just so that I can know, because that's what you said. Or are you saying to me, I'm considering this, I'd like to know what you think before I make a decision? Because it kind of changes the way I'm going to speak into this situation, particularly with someone I don't know very well. I mean, if, some, if a good friend of mine came over and said, I've made this decision and I strongly disagreed, I might have a bridge that I can say, uh, shut up. <laughs> I know you said you decided, but I'm not going to let you go that easy. So if I had a relational bridge with that person, I might have addressed it stronger. But there's, you can see there's a big difference. I mean, some of you have already experienced that. So listen, if you go to someone, if you bounce something off someone, make sure you're clear on what you're saying. 
But if, if you want to hear God's wisdom through others, come with this approach. I'm considering this. I'd like to know what you think. And honestly, I'm happy with whatever you say. That's why I like to do it. God gives us the scriptures. He gives us the saints. And then thirdly, one of the main ways he leads us is through the spirituals, through spiritual manifestations. You see, I'm not one that could say, all these ways is how the Spirit speaks. If God is speaking, then it's the Spirit speaking. Because the Spirit of God is God. So point number three is not God speaks by the Spirit as if that's separate to the Scripture. No, everything is God speaking by the Spirit. But point three is the spirituals. It's those spiritual manifestations or those supernatural type of ways that God speaks. For example, visions, dreams, angelic appearances. For some of us, maybe God, as you've been placed in a trance or a heavenly vision. For some of us, it's far more simple. It's that gut feel, that inner witness of the Spirit. It's that whisper in your heart. It's that niggle behind the ear. It's the heartbeat and the flutter that you have when you know this. It's that tingle in your body that you, oh, I know that's right. It's the closing of your eyes and quickly having a thought and like at spirit speed and you know, oh, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's prophecy. It's words of knowledge. It's tongues and interpretation. It's all of those things that are the spirituals. These are the many and varied ways that God can speak to us and I, my encouragement to you today is to be open to them all reason number one because when it comes to big decisions in life it is wise to have two or three witnesses on a decision to confirm things but reason number two because god speaks one way and then he speaks another and you might be in a situation where you go god's not talking to me and he might be you just need to appreciate he might be speaking another language and you just need to know that language. He's asking you to step forward into that space where maybe you've never been before. We're going to read the story of Elijah, make three observations, and then we're done. Let's go. First Kings 18. First Kings 18. I won't give too much of a background. Rob did a bit of that last week. And just looking around this room, I've got a feeling that you're, most of you will be quite familiar with this, so I won't read the whole thing. First Kings 18 verse 20. Ahab was king of Israel at the time. And verse 20 says, He sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people said, Nothing. Seems like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? It's pretty obvious, very straightforward. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal is 450. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, let them cut it into pieces, put the wood on the fire, but not set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, I'll call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. The God who answers by fire. He is God. And then all the people said, what you say is fine by us. I won't read the story, but the Baal, the worshippers of Baal go off and do their thing. They Babylon, they cut themselves, and, and Elijah teases them. It's all a bit funny. He's very sarcastic. I love it. Uh, but then it's Elijah's turn down in verse 36, where it says, At the time of sacrifice, 
In fact, if I did read it, I'd probably do it with an Irish accent. You know, that whole sarcastic thing? That'd be funny. Anyway, we won't do that today. Verse 36. <laughs> yeah, do it a third time, you idiots. Okay, verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, I'm not going to do it. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God and I'm your servant and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Find these keys, Lord. Not for my sake, but for this person's sake so that they may know that you are good. Verse 38. Then, right then, the fire of the Lord fell burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Undeniable. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. And Elijah had them brought down the Kishon Valley and slaughtered their good bedtime story for the kids. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, this is now transitioning to a different story, but happens immediately. Elijah said to King Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. I wonder who could hear that sound. I suspect only Elijah could as we read on. Verse 42, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his legs. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. And so seven times Elijah said, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, uh, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. It's kind of desperate for an answer now, isn't he? So Elijah said, then go into Ahab to hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Jumping over to chapter 19, verse 11, another story where he's now on the mountain running from Jezebel. Rob explained that last week. Verse 11, God speaks to Elijah and said, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. for He's about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but he wasn't in that either. After the earthquake came a fire, but he wasn't in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what you doing here, mate? Familiar stories. Three things, observations about lessons that we can learn about listening from these accounts. First thing is this. Sometimes God speaks the same way. But sometimes he speaks different. Sometimes he speaks the same way, the way he's always done before. But sometimes God wants to speak different Elijah said that my God is the God who answers by fire and that is true because 
Elijah knows all through Israel's history, that's how God speaks. God had spoken by fire many times. How did he come to Moses? He spoke to him at a burning bush. How did, when, when Israel followed God's presence through the desert, what did they see? They saw a pillar of fire. When they dedicated the tabernacle, the glory of God came. In Leviticus 19, they offered their first sacrifices and it says fire came from the presence of the Lord and suddenly burned the sacrifices, supernatural fire. In the next chapter, chapter 10 of Leviticus, Aaron's sons bring fake, false fire and fire comes from heaven and burns them alive. I mean, fire is the way God speaks. He is the God who answers by fire. In fact, more than that, he's the God who speaks with powerful wind and powerful earthquake. He's the God who speaks in the storm. Because when Israel came to Mount Sinai, it's, well, when they crossed the Red Sea, it was a mighty wind that blew the sea back. God is the God who speaks with the wind. God, when they came to Mount Sinai, was the one who shook the mountain. It said it quaked, lightning, crash, thunder, bam, wind. This is God descending on the mountain. That's how our God speaks. And yet this time he comes to Elijah in a whisper, which I would suggest to him was a bit of a first. You see, God speaks the same, but he also speaks different. And for those of us, and I'm included, that have our favorite ways of hearing God, maybe it's, when you hear God, it's, he gives you an image, maybe he gives you an impression, maybe he gives you a scripture. Isaiah 7, oh, I wonder what that says. Boom, God, God does that with me. Maybe we have our favorite ways of hearing God. I want to encourage you. Today might be a day where you say, Lord, I'm willing to hear you speak in a different way, in a way that you've never spoken to me before. Maybe I'm wanting to hear God on something. and It's like I can't hear him, but he's asking you to walk into new territory because that's where he is. You've always walked this way to hear God. And it's not working. Maybe it's because he's over there and he's wanting you to walk into unfamiliar territory. Lord, I'm open for you to speak to me in a way that's different. To speak to me in a way you haven't spoken before. Because God is not nasty. He's not hiding things from you. But he does hide things for you. And Elijah learned a great lesson on this mountain. That God speaks the same as he has before but he's also at times wanting to speak different, and that's for your sake. How many of you would like to be willing to walk into an area of hearing God that you've never heard him before? Is anyone that today? Why don't you, why don't you put your hand on your heart or something, and let's just, let's just pray that now. I want to hear God through my foot. No, that's different. No, I want to hear God through my... Ah, Holy Spirit, I trust that our willingness this morning meets yours... That my eagerness this morning meets your eagerness to speak to me. And Lord, I say I'm open. I'm your student. I want to learn. I want to have an experience I've never experienced before. I want to walk in something I haven't before. And I acknowledge this story. What you did with Elijah, you can do with me. I pray, Lord, I'm open. Use a language for me that you've never spoken before. I've heard others talk about how you'd speak to them this way. I'd like that. I'd like to know your languages more. I'd like to know your nuances more. And so, Lord, I just say I'm open. I'm open to hearing you. And Holy Spirit, as best as I can this morning, I just release that grace over these beautiful people today. 
Say, Lord, this week I pray for more testimonies like Narissa's, more testimonies of people that hear your voice, blessing to them and a blessing to others, and hear your voice in a new and unique way for them. Thank you. Amen. Point number two. Sometimes God speaks immediately. Sometimes his response is gradual. Which would you prefer? Sometimes he speaks immediately, but sometimes his response is gradual. You know, when Elijah's there and everyone's watching and and the, the offering's there and he says this simple prayer, it's like two sentences, Lord, answer by fire, and it says, straight away that fire came. That's what I like. And yet when it came to the story of the rain cloud, he walks up on that mountain, puts his head between his knees, says, go and check, nothing. Puts his head between his knees, go and check, nothing. Puts his head between his knees, please Lord, go, go and check, nothing. Seven times. Because sometimes God answers immediately, but sometimes his answers are gradual. And we see this in the, the famous um, pregnancy stories in the Bible. One of the, one of the motifs of the scripture is about women who are barren, who struggle to have babies, and God comes through for them. And sometimes those stories are immediate. I mean, every Christmas we remember Mary, an impossible pregnancy. Okay? Not barren, but impossible. It was impossible. And yet as soon as the angel comes to her, she falls pregnant. Nine months later, she's got a kid as a teenager. And everyone said, that's God. Because God speaks immediately. But what about Abraham and Sarah? They were promised a kid, and it took years. Because sometimes God is immediate, but sometimes he speaks gradually. And as you've heard many times, in that period of waiting, what we call in the meantime, between the promise and the possession of that promise, it's called the meantime because often it's a meantime. But there are lessons in that process that God is hoping that we can learn from. I love it when God speaks fast and I'd prefer that. I, 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 I had this thing, I'd, well God and I have this thing where he speaks to me in spirit speed. And every now and again I'll, I'll tell a story about that where I literally just ask him something, close my eyes, boom, there it is, there's the answer, done. Thank you Lord. And I know it's God because either the answer surprises me or it comes so fast, I know my brain hasn't caught up with it yet. I'm like, God, that was quick. And sometimes if you're sitting around a circle with me, I say, okay, let's shut our eyes and hear God. Okay, that's enough. What did he say? You know, I don't, sometimes when I'm asking people to hear God, I don't want it to go too long because some, that's when a sort of our imagination and thoughts and other things kind of kick in. So sometimes it's best to go, okay, let's hear God. Okay, what'd you get? Because I appreciate that sometimes, bam, God does speak immediately. There's this spirit speed. But I also understand the process of gradual, and I know there's people in this room that do today, but there are lessons to learn in that time. Make the most of that meantime. And sometimes it can really hurt. But God will be faithful, and God will come through. And some of you might just need to hear that today. Because your story, as painful as it might be in that process, may be in, in being led by God through that gradual answer. 
may be the spring of water that then serves other people. Because perseverance and persistence and staying faithful through situations that don't make sense is something that everyone can relate to. Sometimes God speaks the same, but sometimes he speaks different. Sometimes he speaks immediately. Sometimes he speaks gradually. And lastly, sometimes God speaks dramatically. But other times he is very discreet. There's no doubt that this whole fire picture, with everyone watching, hundreds of people, fire from heaven, God, that is a dramatic way to speak. And when I grew up and I wanted to hear God, I'm like, just do that, God, just do that. You know, I'm going to do that. I've literally put a fleece out outside. I've literally done that with a cloth, the Gideon thing, you know. Just, you did it then, speak dramatically now. That was a dramatic and very public thing. And yet when it came to the rain cloud, no one was there to see that. He was the only one who heard the sound. It was only a servant who could see the cloud form. It was a very discreet thing. When it came to hearing the whisper, no one else was there to hear that. It was very discreet. And I know what it's like to have God speak in very dramatic and public ways. I wasn't like this really growing up, but especially since I've become a pastor, I think more and more I'm, I'm the guy that if there's a prophet in the room, they'll prophesy over publicly. I don't, you know, you know, sometimes a prophetic minister comes and you wear your brightest shining shirt just to, you know, will I get his attention? No, I've never done that. But, but I've had that. I've had major prophetic words given over to me publicly. The only reason, one of the main reasons we planted this church, we knew that God had called us to come down to Victor 16 years ago, was because a prophetic guy stood us up in a room of 600 people, the age of 23, and said, God's called you to plant a church and you don't have time to wait. He says, it's imminent. Six months later, that's it. We're down here and Bayside begins. Now, part of that dramatic display was I needed that, that real dramatic voice of God to make a dramatic decision. But part of the reason for that dramaticness was because other people also needed to hear that word. So often I sit here and we have a prophetic ministry and Adam was just here a few weeks and he'll prophesy something over me quite dramatically and quite publicly and nothing that he says to me is stuff I don't know. Go, yeah, I know all that. But it's dramatic or it's public because other people need to hear it. And so that's part of this whole fire thing with, what's his name, with Elijah. It's like, Elijah, I don't need you to answer with fire for my sake. But I want you to answer with fire for your sake. And some God, sometimes God answers dramatically. And specifically it's for other people's sake. Like that story, Nerissa. You know, God could have whispered to something discreetly to her, but it took her stepping out to say, I'm going public on this. God, speak. Why? Because it wasn't just for her sake. As encouraging as it was for her to go, yes, <laughs> God answers my prayer, you know. That's personally encouraging, but it was for the sake of others. And I want more of that. I like that. I don't mind that, but I love the whisper of God. And oftentimes, if it's something personal for you, if it's just a decision you need to make, that's the way that God's going to speak. And as much as I might remember some of the public ways God has spoken on big issues, um, no one knows what he sounds like when he speaks to me. <laughs> when he whispers, there's something really special about that. 
And that, that's something that it doesn't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Other people hear or don't hear. There's just something about knowing his whisper that's really precious. And that's sometimes the... I think that's what happened, what Elijah just needed, you know? Because when he was in that state there on the mountain, he just needed that personal whisper to say, mate, no one else is around. This isn't for anyone else. This is just for you. And if there's anything I want to encourage you in, it's please fall in love with his whisper. Because he is near. All the New Testament scriptures about hearing his voice, none of which I've read, but all those personal ones about this is why you need to hear God for you, they're all true. But one of the reasons that he whispered to Samuel, the prophet, when he was a boy, and one of the reasons that he whispers here to Elijah is because he's not far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might need to take a step to lean in, Malcolm. You might need to lean in and you're listening because he wants you to take new ground, but he's not that far away. That's why he doesn't need to shout for you. And I just feel like God wants us more and more to be conscious and aware of his whisper and to fall in love with that whisper. We had a beautiful worship night here on Thursday about drawing near to the face of God. Who was it? Nerissa, you also shared something with me about his, his eyes. There's a New King James Version that says he, he leads us through his eyes. Is that right? How many of you know sometimes when you're married to someone for a while, they don't need to say anything, you just look in their eye and they've communicated all you need to know? Meaning how much they love you. I mean, I'm sure there's nothing else that comes through that. But that's the beautiful, one of the beautiful privileges we have over these Old Testament saints. Is that intimacy of whisper never leaves us. Never leaves us. Because the Holy Spirit is closer than they ever, ever had him. The Holy Spirit is closer to us than they ever had him. Because in the Old Testament, like Elijah, these moments came and went. The Holy Spirit came on them and he left and came on and he left. New Testament, 1 John says, The anointing that God has given you never leaves you. Because he doesn't only come on you for the sake of others, but he comes in you, joined to you as one in your heart. As so I sometimes God speaks discreetly. And I'd love to think that we can be a church that understands and walks in all of these areas. My friend, a friend of mine said earlier this year, he was popping into our church on and off and he said, one of the things I've noticed about this church is that I don't sense any sense of political games or politicalism, political, you know, whatever. He said, and I think that's just because people are really secure. Yeah, because when you're secure, you don't have to try to get things, manipulate things out of people. So please hear God for yourself. Please walk with him for yourself. And please know that there's many different ways he speaks. And it's not either or, but it's both and. When he said something to me late last year, I was, I was praying for this year in my office and I, I wrote something down, it's on my desk, and I thought it would be our theme for the year. You know, the whole pastor thing where you're meant to have a theme, right? I thought, oh, maybe that's our theme for the year. And I wrote it down, and it says, in little and in much, in both 
and in more. And the little and the much was just like, Lord, in the little in my life and in the much in my life, I want to be faithful. Because in the little of my life and the much of my life, you are faithful. God is faithful in the little and in the much, in the little and the much. And the next phrase was both and more. You know this old phrase where we used to say, it's not either or, but it's both and. Yeah? Not either or, but both and. So all those points I just made today, it's not God speaks to me either this way or that way. No, it's both and. But I felt that phrase, it's both and more. It's not just both and. There's not just two things that God can do. No, I know I'm open to God doing this, both and something I've never experienced before. Because in little and in much, little and in much, in both and in more, God is faithful. And I am open to you to minister to me and to use me in any spectrum of your wonderful ways of speaking. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.